Aljamain, welcome to the show, buddy. How you doing? Good, 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 good. Man, I've been wanting to have you on for a while now, and uh, it seems like you just got the opportunity got better and better and better, and then now you're the champ. So, like, I guess it just worked out perfect. Like <laughs> for the first time, I get to talk to you. Yeah. You're a champion already. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long journey, a long ride to get here, and um, still got a lot of work to do. Yeah, big fight this weekend. Did you uh, happen to catch that? The the McGregor versus I guess you, you did unless you're traveling. Yeah, well, they actually gave us tickets to go, so we we went, so we got to watch live, and that was my first time being back at a live event for a UFC event with the fans since uh, Adesanya versus Romero. So that was a, it was nice, refreshing to to get back to yeah. to normal. Yeah, what did you think about the fights? It's crazy, huh? I thought they were really good. I mean, you had a couple standouts like the, their very first fight of the night. That kid uh, Zumagalov yeah. with the uh, early guillotine choke, well ninja choke. Um, you had Tuavasa, nasty knockout, <laughs> and obviously the crazy performance of Sean O'Malley. Even though it was a guy on the debut, he looked great, and uh, I don't think there's much more you can ask out of a guy like that to do what he did and look good while doing it. You know, so some really good fights. Hats off to Mali for that. Yeah, I've always been quick to criticize him, but you know the thing is, is like he, he's he's playing, he's getting more on my better side every time I see him fight, and uh, he's uh, that's got to be tough, man. I mean, pressure is a, is a is a tough thing to deal with, and it zaps you from it zaps your cardio, it zaps your mental state, it makes you question everything. It's like why you wrestlers are so good um, at fighting, because because y'all use that kind of pressure, and that pressure breaks people, it crumbles people. So to have that kind of pressure on the whole time like that, and just to keep sideswiping and sidestepping and, and landing that jab and landing the right hand. Like, fuck, hats off to him for that, man. I mean, of course the guy can take a hell of a bunch, but hats off to him for that. That's a, that's a lot of work, like you said. That's a lot of work to, to stay on your toes and your bike the entire time like that. That's not easy to do. Yeah. No, I, I could imagine. So, And you got a big fight coming up. Uh, looks like three months or so, right? They don't have a, a definite place or location yet for that, do they? No, I actually saw Sean Shelby at the fights yesterday and um he said it's not definite yet for abu dhabi yeah which is great news um we're both gonna be training here in the states thailand is still closed so that's what his manager told me that it doesn't make any sense for them either so we're both on the same page and the same boat we'd rather fight here in the states and i don't think we could do that unless it's either in november or december yeah so we'll, we'll see because october pay-per-view card is going to be in abu dhabi yeah yeah that makes sense and, he, and he's done training in thailand before he trains at a, at a different gym down here but the gym the gym's changed a lot over the pandemic so they, i think they, they changed all trainers and everything so it might be different for a few different reasons but we are open just just by the way um the borders did finally open on july 1st so we finally can actually start taking people in without quarantine um it's gonna be a slow process so okay. it's, it's got to be uh vaccinated people um but how is it how, how is it you know obviously controversy aside i mean you can't look at it like that and, and you're gonna get beat about something one way or another but um how has it been being a champ man because you are a champ i mean you went out there you fought for a championship you you, you did good you fought hard it doesn't matter any anything else other than that which i mean i can't believe i have to even justify that but um how does it feel to be a champ man how's it how does that how does that life feel i mean obviously you got to just stop and just Think about it sometimes and be like, damn, <laughs> I made it close to where you're at, yeah. but I never even made it to the title shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, sometimes I was starting to wonder if it was ever even going to happen, you know, just having the opportunity. And uh, that's all you can ask for, because that's pretty much why we all do this. 
obviously making money is one thing, but that comes with winning the belt. Well, more of it comes with winning the belt. And um, life's been good so far. I mean, obviously, I got the 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 detractors mainly from uh, Russia, but it, it's kind of fascinating to to see the response from them where. They rather have a champion who doesn't know the rules of the sport that he's the champion of, or he's that malicious of a fighter and had every intent to throw something illegal that he knew was illegal from being told in the back room, right. being told from the, the re- 10 seconds before he, maybe like six seconds before he actually threw the knee, and having his coach tell him, yeah, throw the, throw the they said kick, but for him that was, yeah, throw the knee. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it is what it Stupid. is. I know he was starting to come on in that round and uh it was definitely getting ugly but rules are there for a reason i mean if i was kicking his ass the entire time and then he throws an illegal knee you're telling me he gets to keep his belt i don't really understand that logic you know so same thing like any other event there's rules you break the rules in such a way where you could be disqualified from the competition that's what happens and uh at the end of the day we're going to run it back so hindsight for me um i look at it glass half full and the other side of it i I get more money, you know, so yeah. like I've never had pay-per-view points before. So this would be the first time I actually get to partake in that. It's a big fight. And um, I also get a, a big pay bump as being the, the, the champion now. So um, I'm okay with it. It comes with its perks of yeah. this, this guy not knowing the rules to his sport, you know. So um, I guess that's the way I could look at it. Glass half full. Like would I rather not have taken that knee to the head? Yeah, yeah. I think that would have been much better. You know, the ones you don't see usually do the, the worst kind of damage to you. So, um, yeah, this is where I'm at now. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, he seems kind of like a tough guy to like. You know, I, I don't like to talk bad about anybody. And, like, you know, I keep very political being that I have an interview show more than anything. Um, but it seems like he's yeah. t- tough to deal with on a side note just from everything else that you're having to deal with as far as it being him, the one that this happened with and the controversy and everything else. But he also seems like it's just a tough guy to like. He's, he's kind of like he's not quite like Connor or like Chell or like he's not humorous with it. It's not it's not like you know, it's, it's just kind of like <laughs> it's just – He's just, just kind of an. It seems like he's kind of an ass to me. This is what I. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I just that's how I feel. Yeah, I I get the same read, man. I've met him in Vegas <laughs> before. That, we maybe 2019 when I uh, was going to get my wrist fixed, and uh, the girl Yuna Kaskaya was there too, and she was kind of like the instigator in the situation. And he came in with his camera crew, and he came up to me. He said something like, "Why are you afraid to fight me?" I was like, "Wait, hold on." who's ranked higher who actually beat higher ranked guys so it was like as far as i know i dictate where we fight i'm not going to russia and uh she was kind of it, it just got he's just like for me i like i said before i just don't think he's a good person and i i think i would have to agree i think like his jokes come off like they're not really jokes they're like they have like malicious <laughs> intent and they're not really like connor i could laugh at all day long show no he's funny he makes jokes they're like even if I had to fight a guy like that, I just feel like for him, it's just you just seem like a dude I just would never want to hang out with, you know. Yeah. But maybe that's just him and how they are in Russia. I have no idea. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, it's obviously going to be a lot more a lot more gratifying for you to get this fight the second time and 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 do it do it. Uh... Do it, do it another way, a different way. Um, obviously, that's your, your number one goal. Is there anything going on right now as far as, like, your camp or anything? Like, are, are you starting anything? I know you're three months out, but, I mean, has, has anything ramped up, or is it just kind of chill mode right now? Um, I worked out three days in a row, which has been a first. Um, to, last night, I, I took the night off, obviously, for the fights, and uh, drank a little bit, kind of get to unwind, taking today off. 
So today we do a little bit of just a relaxed muscle recovery day. And then tomorrow we start the week off again. And we're, we're going to try to pick it up because I don't know when we're going to fight. And I don't want to be out of shape. I want to start to build those little muscles around the neck area that, you know, I had the surgery. And I want to make sure everything's kind of fine-tuning and start getting ready to go. Because for him, he's already cranking as if we're fighting in like two weeks, you know. So uh, I've been watching. I started my opponent's social media and watching his. He looks like he's going hard as if the fight was like in two or three weeks from now. Yeah. So um, I'm not, I don't have any intention of doing that. But I want to start to get the the wheels going and just clean some things up and get sharper in some areas and uh, uh, figure out some tactical things I could do a little bit better. Even as tight as I was in that fight, I think there were some things that I think maybe because of the fatigue, you start to get sloppy with certain things. Yeah. And, you know, they say the, the saying goes, you know, fatigue makes coward of the toughest men. So um, even though I don't I'm not saying I was, you know, obviously not a coward in that. But uh, in terms of like just a technical approach, I think I could have been a lot cleaner even being tired. I think I got to get to a, a point where if I do get tired like that, there's a mental switch like, all right, we're going to be tired. But we have to make sure we do everything while we're fatigued and do it clean as possible and just kind of dial that in so that if I do hit that situation again, which I've never been tired like that in a fight before, and I don't think that's going to ever happen again like that. So not from the very first bell. Um, but I, I know what, what went wrong, and I just can't wait to just fix everything. Yeah, as far as this fight in particular, um, is it one thing where um – it's just it's a matter of getting through to it. Is anything changed? You think, or are you changing the strategy for this this the second fight versus the first fight, or is it just getting through the fight camp? It's kind of like a, you're redoing the first camp, or or is there something lined up a little bit different that you're planning? I think it's more of the, more more or less the same. Um, if there's anything different, I could maybe be not force the wrestling as much because I didn't need it, but in my head going into that fight. Uh, I need to get the takedown so that I can rest because I was exhausted. I was like, if I could get the takedown, I could just stall a little bit, you know, throw a couple of shots here and there, kind of keep the ref off me. I could play the game and win the fight. And I was like, I just got to win three rounds out of the five. I win the fight. That's that's the, my mentality going into that where normally I'm like, you know, I'm going to make a statement and I want to really like put a stamp on this, on this opponent and, and let the world know kind of thing. And, um, that wasn't my mentality going into this one. The day of, like before that, everything I, I want to hurt this guy bad. But the day of, I was like, Yo, dude, I don't, I don't know what's going on with me today right now. This is unlike me, but I, I know why that happened and why I was feeling nauseous and everything. And um, it felt like I had an adrenaline dump at like twelve o'clock in the afternoon. It was the right. weirdest thing, and then I didn't fight till eight thirty, and I just couldn't shake it. It was right. the craziest feeling that I've never felt before in my life. All right, fellas, you want to help support the podcast? I know you do. All this content, all these interviews with these fantastic guests that we're putting out for you, well, now you can. And you can save 20% off and get free shipping by getting the best below-the-waist men's grooming products on the market. I'm talking about Manscaped. All you got to do is go to manscaped.com, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com, enter code QUICK at checkout, 20% off, and free shipping. Quick is my nickname. It is not how you use the product. Uh, don't be silly, fellas. Come on. Uh, but Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and now they have the new Lawnmower 4.0, which is next level, the best trimmer on the market ever made. What makes it different? 
It has skin-safe replacement ceramic blades, controllable LED lights, wireless charging dock, and a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology, and it's even waterproof. They also have a full line of hygiene and grooming products like the Shears 2.0 Luxury Nail Kit, Crop Mops, Preserver, Reviver, and a lot more. Manscaped has everything you need to appeal to your lady friend, but don't thank me, thank yourself. By going to manscaped.com, entering code QUICK, get 20% off, get free shipping. It's a win-win for you. It's a win-win for us, and you're supporting the podcast. So, Al Jermaine, welcome to the show, finally. Good to have you on board. Thanks for having me. I know this is like a, this is like a second intro, man. We <laughs> For the first time. <laughs> Aljo is so cool. Let me tell you something, people. Aljo is super cool. This is for the first time in a, almost 100 interviews, man. And I had the worst, I'm coming off the worst interview ever. You don't even know about this, Aljo. You have to watch it, man. I was falling asleep on Dana White yesterday. It is the worst two days of my podcast life. Like I almost had to cancel because I couldn't hold it together because I was so exhausted. It was a 6 a.m. podcast. I got no sleep and I, I pushed all the way through all night. And then by the time I got to Dana, I was like, I was like a, a mummy, dude. And I got through it. But if you want to see something funny, so coming off of that, off the cusp of that, I fuck up again against fucking Aljamain, dude. Unbelievable. Another champion. So he was so cool. He <sighs> said, dude, let's just start over. And let's just get this thing going. And he was so <laughs> cool, man. <laughs> we had already had some great conversation. I feel so fucking bad, dude. <laughs> I feel so bad. But anyway, man, obviously you saw the fights this weekend. Uh, they were real good. Um, anything surprise you? Uh, or did everything go, kind of go as you expected? I mean, Sugar Sean put on a hell of a show. Did very good. Uses ring control very nice, uh, handled the pressure very nice, nice. Uh, Burns did good, um, and of course Poirier. Yeah, and um, I was, I really liked the one with Bam Bam Tuvasa and uh, yeah, that too. Greg Hardy. I thought that was a very for as long as it lasted. I mean, I think what like a minute and thirty, maybe two minutes. Um, one one guy gets hurt, and then the other guy comes back and cracks him back and ends up getting the finish. And uh, he, I like what he said after. I was like, you want to stand with me? Uh, I like stuff like that. Like stuff like that I, I get behind because it's like a little a little bravado, you know. And um, I think it's tough for people to be comfortable in their own skin to want to do something like that because it it draws attention. And sometimes uh, people can take that the wrong way. Yeah. But, yeah, the, the Molly fight, good. that kid he fought, took it on short notice. But – he had a fight coming up. I just confirmed earlier today with Cage Fury that would have been a four rounder. So he was definitely in shape, which is why he could take so many shots to the head like that. And on top of that, the pressure he was able to keep on O'Malley the entire time was insane. Uh, just kept walking forward. It was just almost like a zombie the entire yeah. time. Yeah, absolutely. O'Malley looked uh, uh, O'Malley 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 <laughs> looked amazing. Um, what a way to handle pressure. That's a tough thing to deal with. I talk about this with my fighters as well. Putting a lot of pressure on somebody, you can really break them down, uh, make them insecure. You can wear the cardio out. There's so many things you can do with pressure, and it's just like it didn't it didn't even phase him at all. Like he, he completely handled it well. Um, there was a lot of pressure being put on him in that fight, and he didn't show anywhere for tear. Yeah, for sure. And um, I don't know if he's a wrestler or anything like that, but – uh, that's one of the things like we learned coming up as a wrestler. If you keep the pressure on guys, sometimes you can melt them. And um, a guy like one of my training partners, like Marab, will spar and he'll keep the pressure on the entire time just going forward. Uh, we have some of the f 
funnest, most fun sparring sessions that I, I think a lot of people would ever see in a gym. A lot of back and forth. And then when you see what he does to guys in the fights, how he breaks their will eventually, and some guys just get deflated, it's it's a very tough thing to deal with, especially like you watch a guy like Khabib. You know, that wrestler mentality and just I'm going to always go forward no matter what and stay as defensively sound and disciplined as I can. But when I can get my hands on you, that's like the worst part. Once the person grabs you, you know they're going to be on top for as long as it's going to last. And uh, that's that's never a fun position to be in. Yeah, especially with that guy, um, for sure. Um, what about um, so your neck? You obviously had uh, neck surgery. You had a, a neck neck problem. Is it better? Are you getting? Uh, are you on the road to recovery for that? Yeah, yeah. I actually I first had this happen to me in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. That sees that year of college as a freshman, and uh, I was wrestling. Got dumped on my head first episode of stingers that i've ever had and then from there going forward every year got like progressively worse i had to get mris back in college for, you know i had bulging discs and some herniations from just the wear and tear of wrestling and then it, it was just the, one of the weirdest things you know with the yon fight like the first fight we were supposed to have i was pushing through some pain and i was contemplating getting surgery before that and having to pull out of that fight because the pain was so unbearable I got my first cortisone shot for that one. And then Jan ended up pulling out, which worked out for me. I was able to take off, do PT, heal up. And then the second fight, uh, it had another bad flare up. And then once again, it just it just wasn't good. So I tried to work out because they wanted to have the rematch in May. I told them that was too soon. So they, then they offered June 12th. So we we're going to do that. And then that didn't work out because as soon as I tried to work out to see where my body was at, I couldn't do push-ups. I hit the bag and I was feeling a burning sensation in my tricep. And then come to find out, I go get it looked at it again and it's the uh, the disc. It just got it got right. worse. Then there was a lot more there was a lot less space between the uh what did it call the uh foramen? Um the the space where the spinal column goes through in the oh, spine. Okay. So the spine is processed in the back where the bony part like right where you touch your spine and then there's like the two holes where there's like the big hole where the spinal column goes through and then the side there's like some pinching over there so it was it was not good oh. and as soon as i had surgery i woke up literally instantly i had all my feeling back i could look up without having no uh-huh. pinching i could sleep i can drive i could stand um i can sit no pain and this is the best feel. i'm like man i i wish i felt like this my entire athletic career because <laughs> this could be Things could have been different. It just sucks when you have to take a week off from training because you have yeah. a bad flare-up. You know, that's that's a real thing. So sometimes I miss out on a lot of work because I just can't physically do anything. You know, it's weird. I found out now in my career, like I'm 42, and like because I had had 15 fights, and I was one of you young, one of you young bucks back in the day. Um, not quite a champion level, but uh, I find that if I quit working out, is that's when my body goes to shit. Like, it's like, like pretty much you have to stay strong for the rest of your life, dude. Like you can never go back weak again. Like when you start getting weak, <laughs> that's when everything hurts. So like if I quit, if I quit training for like a week or two and like I, I completely go off my, my routine and I'm not training hard, my body falls apart. Like everything that's like holding everything together is like just weak sauce, dude. So that's when I'm getting all my injuries and feeling my body the worse. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I would never have thought that. You know, because I take the time off so that I can heal up. But yeah, it's true. Take, if you 
I'm off and you kind of fall. Yeah. I have to keep so my body strong to hold it together. <laughs> that's I think I think that's what it came boils down to. Are you somebody I like to ask somebody of your level, just because you're such a, a high level year champion, uh for, especially for people coming up right now. Do you do you study your opponents a lot? Like do you do you like obsessively study their videos and like really uh strategize against them? Or are you one that just kind of somewhat does it or leaves it up to your coaches or you don't care? I get all three answers, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I do it a lot. You know, I, uh, I I like to take video so I could see a sequence, and this way I could like uh, scrub through it, and I could try to find the openings, the holes, or which way they're moving if they're going the wrong way, or I can see the combinations that they throw a lot of, and then I could take that, bring it to the gym. Hey man, this is the these are the positions I want to work on. These are the strikes I want you to throw, and I want you to throw it exactly the way that they're doing it, not the way you throw it. I need you to be this person. So I need you to look like this, stand like this, and give me that realistic look as close and authentic as it can be. And uh, that's the way I've been like almost my entire career. So um, I feel like that's helped me a lot. And that's why I also coach, because I feel like coaching has helped me when I coach in high school and I've coached, when I've coached at the high school and the college level, I felt like I learned a lot more about wrestling from the opposite side. And then when I was coaching, I, I started to realize the things that I could have done better because I just didn't know and didn't understand. So now the same thing for MMA, I've learned a lot more uh, just by watching fights, something like a sequence and watching someone like even like the Plessis knockout over Trevin uh, Giles, like to watch how he did that after getting cracked with a good shot and then seeing him come back, bouncing off the cage and coming back and hit him clean on the chin, like sequences like that, where it's like, being in the right place, the right segment, knowing where you are in terms of position and in, in relation to your opponent, um, knowing what stance they're in, if they're square, catching them when they square, if they switch a lot, or catching them when they're uh, backing up, like little things like that, because everything's so different. Like everyone responds different. Some people have blind spots from underneath. They get hit more from uppercuts and, and shots from coming under. And some people have a hard time reacting to overhand rights or overhand lefts. Or straight punches straight down the middle. So there's just so much that goes on that you, with each opponent is so different. But if you understand what you're looking at when you see their fights, like, okay, this guy was having a lot of success with this. If I can replicate that and put my own little twist on it, I think I could have success as well. And I think uh, that's that's kind of the way I like to try to break down fights and opponents. Right. What is your typical fight camp like? Like like a fight camp for you? Is it like 12 weeks? And And, and what do you typically do throughout the week? I like my training camps only being like six weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's always good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So when when you have it that long, you just you just mentally drain and just talking about the fight, thinking about the fight. Well, you're kind of not ever. You kind of never stop when you get to your level. When you get to your level, you, you never really stop. So your off season, what you're talking about is when when it's not in the six weeks is your off season, but it's not really an off season. Re really, it's 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 full training. <laughs> yeah. So I train year round. I think that's why it's a six week training camp. When I get an actual fight, and we sign the contract, like that's perfect for me because now I can kick it up. Like I know when to turn it up a little bit. But for the most part, if I'm not if I don't have a fight anytime on the radar or it's like a month after a fight I just had, I'm usually training three, sometimes to five days a week. So it really just depends on if something else comes up and I'm like, yeah, hey, you know what? I trained yesterday. I don't feel like doing that today. I don't have a fight. 
I'm gonna go hang out and do this, you know. So yeah. that's kind of the way my mentality works. But at the same time, I'm always trying to learn and just making sure I, I'm never like one of those guys who has to get ready, you know. Yeah. But um, I want to make sure the opportunity presents itself. It won't be too much or too much of a stretch for me to to kind of get my body prepped and primed to go. And what about fight week? How much do you push yourself for, and, and how much do you relax during fight week? I've always been one to relax a lot, and I see a lot of guys push themselves like. It's if it's like the Olympics or something, and it's like fight week. <laughs> I see him do it every time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm a little crazy like that. I've gotten better with getting my weight down earlier. So fight week, I try to start my fight week on a Sunday, waking up at like 50, mm -hmm. and uh, at 150, and then from there start to slowly chip away, so that by the time Tuesday comes, I'm hopefully like the last one. I think I came into fight week at 46, which was so good, just 10 pounds. But that last 10 pounds for me to take that off of my body is like, it's miserable. I'm pretty much skin and bones. And yeah, so it's not fun, but I, I I would come in heavier and I could do more, but I would just be so shot, like just sore. Everything hurts. I got to do a nice bath the day after I weigh in and it just wasn't fun. So now I, I do a little bit less, but I still have some high intensity workouts, but for the most part, they're just longer. So I'll do like a long drill session. It might be kind of like a lethargic looking thing, but they're still clean, still crisp. The main thing is just keeping the body moving, burn the calories and just keep the sweat going. And it's something I enjoy doing. Like when I see people who get on the bike and they run for an hour, I'm like, that's not fun for me like at all. I would never, I would hate if I had to do that, maybe I'm going up a weight class because that's just not. That's not it, man. I see these guys like, yeah, I'm going to go on the treadmill for an hour in the morning and then an hour at night. My legs are destroyed after that. I don't really run in training camp. I run maybe once or twice. So yeah. to do that much running to lose weight, I'm like, yeah, I got to figure out a different way. So drilling has always been my bread and butter to lose weight. Just nice and easy, a good hour, a good steady pace and sweats on kind of like an old school wrestling workout. What's up, everybody? I am here in Thailand. This is the first time I've ever been here. Been dying to come here for years. Mike Swick, he's one of the big reasons he's been trying to pull me down here. What he built down here, AKA Thailand, is incredible. There's people here from all over the world. You can train mixed martial arts here, jujitsu. They have weightlifting, they have cardio, and obviously they have Muay Thai, boxing, everything. telling you guys, I know everybody wants to go to Thailand because Thailand's so cool, but you can't come to Thailand without coming to AKA Thailand. Come on. What, what got you into martial arts? So I know you started when you were like 21 fighting pro or amateur MMA, correct? You were born in 89 and then yeah. 2010 you started and then... So I think you're around, I think you're around 21, something like that. Yeah, as a pro, 21. And um, I had my first amateur fight at 20. No, I think 19 while I was in college. So what started it when you were a kid? Like what, what, was, the, what, was, the, what was the one thing that got you to where you were into martial arts and, and you went and tried it out and, and started pursuing it? Well, I remember watching The Ultimate Fighter, the fight with Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner, that one I thought was the most insane thing I've ever seen. I'm so old. And like sometimes you, I was. You were watching old episodes yeah. of Ultimate Fire. 
You weren't even watching the the, the first episode. You were watching older episodes. <laughs> That's so funny. All right, yeah. I'm old. <laughs> Seeing that, like, it would come on TV, but it would always come on at weird times. Cause I didn't even know there was a thing called a TV guide where you could just look through <laughs> yeah. to see what's coming on yeah. certain times. So I would just randomly at night look through and search through every night because I'm like, oh, it came on around this time. So maybe if I skim through all the channels, I might find it again. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of how I would watch the fights. And um, when I got to college, I'm meeting John Jones and seeing that he was doing it. You know, I've always had an interest. I never just never thought it was a real thing. I just thought it was cool. And then after wrestling and seeing the success he was having, I was like, yeah, I think I could be good at this thing too, man. Like, so I messaged him and he had me come down to his gym, which was right that five minutes away from where I was now going to school because I transferred. And uh, he was killing it, you know. And for me, that was me starting my – I trained for a month. I think I had my first amateur fight after that. And I did well, got the finish, uh, I think in second round. Um, cut him with my first right hand that I threw. I was like, oh, man, that was scary. <laughs> but I, hit him with, I never busted nobody up like that. So I hit him with the first shot right in the beginning, like the first maybe 15 seconds, and I split him open. I'm like, yo, this is a crazy-ass sport. This is wild. And then from there, I just kind of just kept, I just fell in love with it, you know, and I just never looked back after that and uh, went pro 2011. And here I am today. It's crazy when you think about it, because like, uh, yeah, I was in the same position. But but like, it's it's crazy when you first start out and you're fighting like 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 especially on the lower levels like you were talking about coming up, like the audience that was there like the level of audience and level of people and the level of opponents. Like for me, I was always asking myself, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why am I entertaining these people? And like, why am I fighting this guy with like a fucking mohawk and a fucking, and, a, <laughs> and like cut off jean shorts? Like, what am I doing, dude? But, but for like what you said, there's like an alphaness to it. And like when you would win, it's just that feeling that, that would overcome you. Like, wow, this is fucking savage. And so I would sign myself up for another one and then I'd get back in there and I'd fight again. And it just, it was a slow, slow like progression like that. But I, I totally understand what you're saying. It's like a savage. It's a savagery, man. When you get in there and you fight somebody and you win and, and uh, you want to just keep doing it. It's, it's, uh, I guess it's in our DNA. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a very addicting feeling. It's almost like we're like modern day <laughs> gladiators. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What do you think about Sanhagen versus Dillashaw coming up? I think it's a great fight. I know those guys used to train together. Um, I think... Dillashaw probably probably left the gym for that specific reason. That's my guess, and there might be some other reasonings too. But I think that might have been a big pl um, part of that, seeing how good Sanhagen was at such a young spot, and knowing that he might eventually have to fight him. And uh, I, I think the frame of Sanhagen, him being more active, I think that's going to help him out a lot. And TJ, if he's still not cheating, if he's done cheating, I should say. Because uh, I, I truly believe he's been cheating since, ever since after the Donson fight where he got knocked out. And I think from there he, he made some big changes to his uh, supplement diet. And um, you know what, man? If you feel – I guess he if there's any way to cheat, I guess it's like that because he made out. You know, he bought his boats. He bought his houses. He started his companies. So for a guy like that, you don't ever see too many guys cheat and actually get far. He got pretty far with the stuff that he was doing. And – this is from his teammates even throwing him under the bus and talking about how long he's been doing it for, you know. So um, if he's not cheating anymore, hopefully his math scientist, uh, Calavita, is not trying to figure out other ways to get around the system. <laughs> and we can have a clean fight and uh, 
I just think he's too small for the – I think without that stuff, he's too small. Uh, the EPO was huge for him in terms of cardio. And I think a guy like Sanhagen doesn't get tired. I, I think it's Sanhagen's fight to lose. You know, he's long, rangier, younger, uh, I think a little prob- – probably more durable. And they have the familiarity with each other in terms of how they train with each other. Obviously, that was years ago, so they're both going to be very different, but – you still kind of know what you did to the other person in, in the training room. Right. Absolutely. And what do you think about Tyron Woodley versus Jake Paul? And what do you think about this whole like uh, this whole like circus of, of boxers and, and, and YouTubers and basketball players and fighters and all this shit going on right now? It's entertaining. I've learned to kind of accept it. But but but, but going back to the main thing, what, what, what is your take on uh, Woodley versus Jake Paul first? And just your, your thoughts on that. I, I think it's an interesting fight only because of how Willie has been fighting of late. You know, if it was like the Willie on his way up, like there's no way this guy has a yeah. shot. Like this is not <laughs> happening. But based on the way Willie has been performing, it's – I mean the last one he fought well until he just left himself like super defensively irresponsible where he got clipped where shots that he should never have gotten hit with. But um, that's the fight game. I think he just really, really wanted to pull the trigger to shut some people up. And I'm just glad he actually fought. Like, he didn't sit there passive against the cage the entire time. And it was a barn burn of a first round. Um, other than that, so I think Jake Paul is the better boxer of the Paul brothers. So he's got the size. It's a, it's a very interesting matchup because I don't know how good Paul really is. I don't think Willie's that great of a boxer, but I know he has power. You know, people think that us MMA fighters are boxers. We're not boxers. We're MMA fighters. We yeah, we have a mix of, of everything. You know, Willie's proficient in wrestling. If it was a wrestling match, I'd take Willie all day long. Yeah. You know, so um, it's just a little different. But I'm hoping that Willie wins for the culture because we need that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we this one. Uh, we can't have another Ben Askren thing because that would just be. Uh, I don't even know. At that point, I'm just like, I bring in all the YouTubers. These are the yeah. real guys now. Yeah, well, it makes you feel better. I hate to jinx it, which, which uh, you know, like at this stage, I, I just I believe anything can possibly happen. But uh, I was with Tyron for years when he was back in wild card boxing. And, uh, you know, he was, he was boxing with pros back then and doing really well. And he was spending a lot of time working on boxing, boxing every day. Uh, he was in Thailand a couple times, and his focus missed everything. Like I, I think he's on, and I think you know, I think you're right. I think he's not a boxer per se. Like that, that's not his style. But I say, I, th- I, I would say that he's definitely far enough along. It's going to be a surprise for for Jake Paul. I think Jake Paul's. I think with so many yes men, and like you can sit here and act mean and say all the stuff you want, like I'm saying. But it's like in reality, you know, you know it's true. Like you, you know, what I'm talking about. You have yes men around you when you're famous and when you're successful at things. You have to imagine he has to have a certain amount of yes people around him, and that's not helping his decisions on fighting guys like Tyron Woodley. And and as as he gets you know to the level where he's fighting better and better fighters like that. Um, he's gonna hate those guys yeah. when when that when that second place comes. <laughs> he's gonna fucking yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. You know that's good to hear. The one thing I will say though is for Paul, I don't think he has anything to lose. Yeah, that's another thing. He's a crazy bastard. <laughs> yeah, that's the dynamic right there that I'm concerned about because it's like this guy he's gonna get a huge payday and he's gonna yeah. fight a big name and 
for him, it's like a win-win. You know, if he loses, it's like, okay, you should have lost to a guy who was a former world champion. You know, but if he wins, it's like, damn, Willie, you should never have lost to this guy. And now this guy is going to continue the circus. So it's, it's a weird spot. It's a spectacle fight for me, but it's still fun. Um, I enjoy what they're doing because they're bringing attention and they're showing that there is money out there to be made for the fighters. And hopefully more of us can, or should I say, hopefully that rev- the income or the paychecks increase for everybody as a whole, you know? So I I think that's the one thing I, I like that the Paul brothers are doing and kind of exposing, I don't want to say exposed because it makes it sound weird, but showing some, some light onto the sport that there is real revenue to be made with these fighters and these big fights. Yeah, absolutely, man. And just lastly, before I leave, what about you? I know you're young right now, so I usually don't ask this question to young guys, but do you happen to have uh, anything in your head right now that you're working, that you have like a goal for like 10 years after you fight or five years after you fight that you want to do? I'm probably going to do a little bit more real estate. Hopefully, you know, a couple more fights, a couple more wins. I can um, plug a, a nice seed here and there and some places that I would like to travel to. That's really the main goal. I think um, if I could have some rental properties that can make income, but I can also use it as a vacation house. So this way, if we want to go to California, we want to go to Florida or if we want to stay in New York, we got our places that we can go visit. And at the same time, it could bring, be uh, a stream of uh, income for us. And um, I think that's the way to do it. Set everything up from the, the means of fighting. You know, I put my body on the line, which you know, um, for yourself as well. And you want to make sure that you take away more from the sport than the sport takes away from you. So with that, and I'm just exploring all avenues. And the next thing, maybe maybe some serious acting, not the yeah. stuff that people make the clown approaches <laughs> for. But um, I I've actually I'm actually in my first movie. It's called Grace Point. That should be coming out. I would think towards the end of the year, um, I think they got to shop it around. I'm not sure how that whole Hollywood right. stuff works yet. I'm still kind of learning. But myself, Wideman, Dean Thomas, um, Andrew McCarthy, uh, Jim Parrick, John Lowe, Rob Lowe's son. Nice. Uh, Sean Carrigan. So they had some really good actors, some up-and-coming actors as well. So I'm just hoping like the way everything gets edited. I think the shots that they showed us, like some of the daily clips, I'm like, dude, this looks amazing. The story is a great storyline. And I think um, it will hit home for a lot of people just about the message of overcoming and things like that with like addiction and that type of thing. So I'm looking forward to for, for that to come out. But like I said, it's my first movie. Hopefully there's more opportunities to come. And um, by the time I'm done fighting and I don't have the itch anymore, which it happens to everybody, you know, when I, when you get your ass kicked, you're wondering, well, like, why am I doing this still, you know? So hopefully that doesn't come anytime soon. And uh, when it is time to exit, I have all my other stuff kind of set up. That's awesome, man. And I hope all that comes through for you. I'm very excited. And, uh, man, I love seeing young champs like you with uh, with bright minds and uh, that ambition to just keep keep going forward. That's what I did, and uh, I appreciate it. I wasn't a champion, but I had the, amb- I had the ambition at least. But I, 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 it's awesome to see that in you. Um, and then I would love to get an update, man. So when you do get closer to the fight with Peter Yan, I would love for you to come back on. Just a real fast update, just a quick update how camp has been going, how you've been feeling, everything. That would be awesome to have you back on. Okay, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get um we'll get it coordinated. All right, brother. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you.